And I remember being invited to a birthday party and then the parents said that the birthday party had been postponed. Well, we, we my mom and I showed up at the house anyway with a gift. <laughs> and and so, you know, they, they opened the door and looked at us and were kind of confused as to what to do. And they took the gift and closed the door uh, and everybody else was there, you know, having the party. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Didi. Now, Didi, I have a question for you. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> what is your secret? Well, uh, it's not so much a secret now as it was, you know, earlier in my life. I, I, for the most part, lived most of my life as a straight man, but I am transgender. Oh. So I didn't really start my transition. I mean, I started my transition very early in life secretly. Um, but I, I didn't really come out publicly until about 1993, maybe. And how old were you at that time? Uh, 33. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's go back though. Let's go back to when you felt for the first time that there was something different. I would say probably somewhere in my four or five, six, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where I just didn't feel like I fit into the the construct or the paradigm of how things were. I, I really remember in, in my young days at a point, I was invited to, I always just hang out with the girls as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember being invited to a birthday party and then the parents said that the birthday party had been postponed. Well, we, we, my mom and I showed up at the house anyway with a gift. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, that's sweet. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, they, they opened the door and looked at us and were kind of confused as to what to do. And they took the gift and closed the door uh, and everybody else was there, you know, having <gasps> a party. No. Yes, yes. Oh my, that's heartbreaking from even to hear that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, much of it was, I think it was confusing both for my mom and myself. I, I didn't really do all the things a classic male child would do. For instance, can you name some? Uh, you know, I was not in, into team or physical sports. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry. I wasn't either. <laughs> my sister was and I was not uh-huh. I hated them <laughs> it's very much a loner very much an introvert mm-hmm, me too very much living in somewhat of a fantasy world I would say wow we are like the same person right now <laughs> so you know and I think being a cancer 
that's very much cancer with Leo rising. Leo, Leo gives you the fame mm-hmm. and the recognition, you know, and I think that when I came out, there's a line that I use in my, my stand-up comedy and my show. I've only ever wanted to be two things in my life, uh, a woman and an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, be, I became a woman. I figured it was easier than breaking into show business. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, after I transitioned and <clears throat> I was part of a program in San Francisco, um, I felt like, wow, I've done this. I can, I, I can survive this. Maybe it is time to pursue being an entertainer. And and I, you know, always wanted to be a stand-up and a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I basically healed on stage. You know, oh. I, there were two particular instances when I was doing stand-up. There was one night after I had finished a show and this older couple that had to be in their 60s uh, approached me and the woman was crying and uh, the husband was trying to console her and and he said, you know, um, our daughter is married to someone who's transitioning. And this is the first time we've been able to laugh and see promise in the future. Mm. So thank you for that. And I was like, okay, now I'm on the right track. This is where how I'm did you? How did you feel after hearing that? Was it overwhelming for you? A, a bit overwhelming, but more of a surprise. You know, you, you don't really ever, I think in my impression of what how things were going to go was that I was going to entertain people. I, I, I didn't set out to change people or to change the world so much as I, I did to open people's eyes a little. Mm-hmm. And, and, and within that came changing the world. Uh, another night, uh, big guy, six foot five, 300 pounds is walking my way. He's got a you know, biker, leather biker vest on a big beard and you know, big burly guy. And mm-hmm. He hits me in the shoulder and says, you're a funny kid. Keep it up. And I went, went, wow. You know, that particular one gave me more of an insight as to I'm not the only person or the only group in the world who's an outsider or who feels like they don't fit in. Yeah. They may not necessarily have to change their gender, but there are things about people that they just don't fit in and they feel like an outsider. So I think that. In, in that instance, he he related to a lot of what I said. And then, you know, I think that I bring out a lot of hypocrisy in, in how I see things. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people hear that, they realize that, you know, either they have been part of it or they've they've had it done to them. Yeah. And, Where and it, it makes other of, people not feel so alone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm doing the podcast, because everybody, you know, from all walks of life, we all have different situations we deal with. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. for me, it's my uh, sex and love addiction. And I always felt like a piece of me was broken. Like there was a piece mm-hmm. of me missing. And when you were describing being a young kid and going to that party, you know, you also felt a sense of the same thing. Like we right. almost felt the same way, like something of something in us was a little off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think getting back to the, the paradigm, the system, mm-hmm. little girls are, are meant to believe that their life will be completed when Prince Charming shows up and saves them. You know, I'm from the South, especially. I'm sick of society telling mm-hmm. us that we need to be a particular way as right. women. Well, and I think I think men have this idea of 
being a man carved out, you know, having lived on both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> the, the funny part of it is, is, you know, there came a time when I had to tell mom and, and I said, you know, mom, I'm going to have some surgery and, and I'm going to change things and I'm going to be your daughter. And surprisingly, because she's very critical at times, she said, oh, honey, it's okay. I'm your mother and I love you and I'll always be here for you. And maybe you'll meet a nice man one day. Of oh, course. my God. And I said, well, mom, you've known all my girlfriends. She, and she said, oh, my God, a daughter and a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but I want to go back. How was that moment finally telling her that you were making this transition? Well, were you nervous? You don't sound like you were. I think, you know, my mom and I have had... Um, somewhat of a distant relationship most of our lives and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until after I transitioned you have to get to a point where you are no longer their child and they are no longer your parent Mm -hmm. and if you want to have a relationship and relate to each other in adult way you need to do it that way as 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 adults rather than as parent and child I agree I agree I've both of my parents my relationships have changed Mm-hmm. Because I took them out of that parent box. Right, right. And that we are just two humans trying to do the best we can with whatever situation we're in. And that's right. And allowing people to be who they're going to be created this space of beautiful connection that's authentic. That was, it opened up your mom's relationship with you. Very much. Yeah, very much. And I think that, uh, I think a lot of the, the, the distance, you know, my dad passed when I was very young. So I think a lot of the distance that existed, it existed primarily because I went away to school. I was an unruly child. Oh, why were you unruly? <laughs> uh, I, I think much of it was not being happy, not fitting in, not, you know, I, I think when things aren't going the way you want them to, you tend to live a little recklessly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went to live with my grandparents and my aunt and my uncle lived downstairs. So um, at one point in time, my uncle, who was close with a lot of cops, took me to the county hospital and they put me in the same room, same cell as somebody who was detoxing off heroin. <gasps> Why? And, uh, that Well, I think it was to straighten me out. And it did. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I saw that and I went, you know, Wow. Were you doing drugs then? No, not not really so much, you know, involved in drugs, but just, you know, misbehaving, not right. going to school, you know, not listening to people and, you know, get my lunch money and take my books and my backpack and I'd, I'd get on the bus in Chicago and uh, go to the museums and the libraries and, and, and aquarium and go and have a great time and then come back home just in time <laughs> before my mom came home, you know. I think after about 90 days, you know, the, the phone call came in and I was busted. So <laughs> skipping school and not going yeah, tr- tr- truancy. <laughs> hey, and but so, at least you were going to museums and stuff and educating yourself in a different way. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think a lot of that came from my having a fantasy life of sorts and wanting to know more about 
things in the world. You know, I became a scuba instructor and I was always, you know, Saturday mornings or Saturday evenings, you know, Jacques Cousteau, welcome to the industry world of Jacques Cousteau. And I just, I lived that fantasy and I eventually became a scuba instructor and spent much of my life underwater, still do. Mm, wow. Uh, and so that was a big deal. Do you remember the first time you actually revealed this secret about yourself to someone? I would say I, I probably revealed it to two people I worked with. I was in the retail in the fashion business and mm -hmm. I was cl very close to two people and I revealed it to them and they seemed not to be shaken by it. You know, they, they, they just were like, yeah, no, no problem. It's, it's cool. And one of my two friends introduced me to, you know, another trans person and it, it wasn't public. It was just mm -hmm. it, privately to individuals. So again, still, there's that secret. There's something over your head. Yeah. And and you just you're just like, you know, you're riding that wave. I just at one point, I think what it was was fear. The tape that ran through my head was I'm probably if, if I go public and I come out, I'm probably going to lose my job. I mm -hmm. won't have any money. I'll lose my apartment. I'll have to live on the street. I'll have to turn tricks in order to pay the bills or support myself and I'll have to do drugs to turn tricks. That was what went through my head. That was the reality or the construct of, of, of a reality that I saw. That you mapped out in your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and none of that eventually ever happened. I mean, I, you know, I was working for someone. I had been in the program at the, the, the gender program at the clinic I was at. Mm -hmm. And I still hadn't told my boss, you know, I was growing my hair. I was taking hormones. I was seeing a therapist and I was going in to have some surgeries and I said to my boss that um, I needed to borrow some money. You know, I have, I have something coming up and I need to borrow some money. And if you can't do it, it's okay. And, you know, I finally told him why. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, if I can't work here, I understand it. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, reach under the desk and get me the checkbook. He said, how much do you need? And he wrote me a check. Uh. And he said, I'll take, you know, X amount of dollars out of your paycheck every every two weeks. I just went, wow, you know, and in order for us to progress, we need to let go of the, the tape or the story mm -hmm. that runs in our head. Because I have gained far more than I have ever lost by coming in. It sounds like it. I mean, you've had some amazing, beautiful connections from revealing this secret that I'm just blown away. Like you surrounded yourself with so many people that accepted you for you. Mm -hmm. And that's such a rarity in this world. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I think, too, that, you know, I was blessed to be living at a time and a place, uh, you know, we're, now we're going back to, to 1993. Being in San Francisco, it was more accepted. You know, I mean, you have a very open atmosphere in San Francisco. You know, I lived in a time and a place that made it possible. Do you think if you came out now with your transition, it would be different than it was then? I, th I think in many instances, yes, because it's much more visible. It's much more acceptable. I mean, you know, we have uh, transparent, mm -hmm. we have pose. I can go on and on and on in the list of different programs. One of the things that I did over the last few years, I was back in 2005, I believe. I was in the first all transgender cast of Vagina Monologues, oh. <laughs> which was how I met my producing partner when I created a show called Transistor Tales. Transistor Tales was seven people doing monologues and then the eighth person was a musician or a singer. 
Well, I always like to put these secrets with the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. and I'm going to name them for you. And if any of them, when you were holding that secret and living the life of not being your authentic self, Mm -hmm. if any of these ring true and why. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Oh God, probably all of them. Ooh, okay, let's do pride. Why Why pride? Well, you know, we're going back in time now. You know, this was yeah. a, a time when it was not uh, acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from Chicago, and so growing up in Chicago, uh, it's a somewhat conservative town, a somewhat open, somewhat conservative. It's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it was the pride of, you know, living, you know, a life that was easy. I always say when we hold these secrets, they can kill us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't step into your truth, who knows what would have happened? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what about greed? Well, greed, I mean, living as a man, you pretty much get whatever you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> you. You get paid more. You get more privileges. It used to be, you know, uh, what What do you think of this idea? And then I transition as like, Aditi, can you go get coffee for everybody? No. <laughs> so you felt it. You oh, felt oh, the definitely. difference between being a man and being a woman mm-hmm. in this world. Definitely. And not many people get that experience. No, no. And, you know, part of the confusion, too, was uh, I'm attracted to women, but I want to be a woman or I Mm -hmm. I, I feel as though I am a woman. Um, But this construct that I've been given doesn't work. I think that that brought up a lot of anger. Um, Envy, too. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, there, there was, there was a lot of, I, I was a, a party animal. I'd go out drinking and dancing every night. I was very promiscuous. And I think a lot of that was kind of to try to jam myself, you know, to, to, to be the, the square peg trying to fit in the round hole. And it, it just wasn't working. Yeah. You know, and years later, many of the, the people that I dated or many of the people that knew me that had seen me after transition went, okay, yeah, this makes sense. No. Like it, it clicked for them. It clicked. They were like, oh, that's what I was feeling was off. Did they ever say why? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, you know, we thought you may be gay because I was in the fashion mm-hmm. industry. So, you know, fashion was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. But you were always with beautiful women. And we, we, we just didn't we didn't know what to think or say. And so, you know, I, I think that once everything fell into place and I think you unbeknownst to those of us who are living our secrets or our lives that aren't completely a hundred percent truthful have somewhat of um, a physical manifestation that is hard to explain. Yeah. Like it comes out of your pores anyways, even though you're trying to mask it. Right. Right. Yes. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, even with a sex and love addiction. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, I couldn't hide that there was something that needed to change within me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, my next question for you is now having this secret and keeping it for as long as you did till you were 33, Mm -hmm. what was the benefit of that? And what was the harm in keeping it? Well, I think that uh, you know, I can I could move seamlessly through the world, whether financially or, or professionally, without much interference. Mm. But it eats away at you. 
it, mm-hmm. it, it manifests itself in, in a lot of behavior that just just is not healthy. And so I think that that was the case, you know, and I think it's almost it's almost as if you're a boat without sails. You can you can kind of flounder around for a while but in order to really move, move, anywhere, move you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> you got to have some sales, you know. And so uh, it was eventual. And, and, you know, I finally went, that's it. You know. oh, how brave of you. Honestly, how <laughs> brave anybody that I think is willing to step out of their comfort zone and jump off the ledge into the unknown deserves a medal because it's terrifying Uh, it it has at times been (laughs) (laughs) now my last question for you and i i kind of think this is the most important question if anybody any of the listeners are going through the same feelings that you're describing Mm -hmm. what would be your advice for them for moving forward i mean from you're talking about from a standpoint of of the gender issue yeah. Okay. If someone's feeling like they are in the wrong body and they're not living their truth. Right. Well, I think the first thing is, is, is try to surround yourself with people who are the same as, as what you're experiencing. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you're feeling as though you may be a trans person, try to befriend trans people. I mean, it's, is. We, in the community, we very much refer to some of the elders as trans moms. I, I had someone who was a trans mom who, you know, helped me through, you know, and, and, and yeah. I think that you need a navigator, you know, and, and, and I think that you can't do any of this stuff alone. Uh, therapy is a huge, huge uh, benefit for someone who's transitioning. I've talked with people and, and kind of um, directed people to see professionals who could help them through. Some people didn't feel as though they wanted to go as far as some other people had gone. Mm-hmm. And, and some people feel the need to, to, to go full steam. Right, um, right. And, and it's a personal decision how far you take it. You know, and again, uh, look, we have, we have a lot of very well-known people uh, Chaz Bono, we have, uh, um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, there's, there's celebrities who have trans children, uh, Warren Beatty and Annette Benning and, uh, mm-hmm. Charlize Theron. So uh, again, we're starting to see a major shift in perception and how both parents and the public and and also doctors you know you have to remember you know when when i was doing transistor tales in in directing it what i would often say was that we have a story all of us has a story who can within a second bring someone to tears or someone to laughter Mm -hmm. whichever route that that story takes is of benefit to other people there have been many, many trans people who have been forced into conversion therapy by families or who have been disowned by families, you know, and then there are other people who maintain marriages and relationships. You know, it's very hard for a person who is married uh, or in a relationship to make the the, the transition decision easily because nine times out of 10, relationships don't survive yeah I mean in any transition in any way in your life usually when you're jumping off that cliff 
relationships don't survive because you're changing as a person and you're changing, you know, who you are and how you relate to the other person isn't the same anymore. Exactly. Well, and if you think about it, I mean, <laughs> there's two things. We're all trans. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like we all make these transitions in our lives yes. to who we're really supposed to be. At least we are if we're doing the work. Yes, yes. You know, but again, it takes a lot to look at yourself and say things aren't as they should be. And no matter what it is, whether you're in the wrong relationship, whether you're in a horrible job, yeah. whether you're engaging in behavior that's detrimental to yourself, and other, whatever it is, it takes a lot. To look at yourself and go, mm, this isn't working. That's why everything you've said in this conversation rings so true for me that I think anybody listening out there can also feel the same way if they're going through any time where they're not living their authentic self. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this secret. I am so appreciative. My pleasure. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.